Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast, where we discuss the gospel, freedom in Christ, and victorious Christianity. My name is Emily Lewis, and I am so honored that you are here. Sometimes Christianity can feel complicated or become heavy. I'm here to lighten that load. I pray that the chats had on this broadcast will empower and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Hello, friends. I'm excited to sit down and record this episode for a few different reasons. I got a new computer and mic set up, so hopefully sound quality will just continue to improve from here. And I'm excited because today I have decided to record my story and share that on the podcast. I value people's stories so much, and there's so much value in hearing where other people have been and what they've been through and what story God is writing with their life and through them. And I just like to get to know what has brought a person to the place that they are right now and the conclusions that they have. But even with that, somehow I have taken on discounting my story and even sharing it here on this podcast, but I'm ready to finally do that and put it out there. I know that there are a lot of other people who can resonate with it. And so I just hope that it is helpful and encouraging, especially for anyone that is still walking through having a hard time relating to God. I hope that my story gives you hope and gives you an idea of the life that is available for you and the abundance of God's grace and love that is available to you. So I was raised in church and a Christian home. We did spend a lot of time at the church and that really shaped my view of God more than anything. My earliest memories of God were surrounded with fear. I remember watching tribulation force movies um, or just hearing about judgment and the lake of fire and being terrified. And when I was seven, I had had a nightmare and I went to my mom and I said, I want to be saved because I had had a dream about the Lamb's book of life and my name not being in it. And it was very terrifying. And I said, mom, I want to get saved. I want to be saved. And she tried to put me off. And I've always assumed that she wanted to try to explain the gospel to me before praying with me. But I was so terrified that I was like, no, we just need to pray now. So we prayed, but I didn't understand the gospel yet. I didn't understand that it was my sin that required payment, nor that Jesus died for me, like my sins. All I knew was there was a hell. I didn't want anything to do with it. And I've heard that if you believe on Jesus, you don't go there. So that's what I did. And I spent seven more years afraid of judgment and still afraid of hell and the rapture and the tribulation and all that. (laughs) And I prayed almost nightly during different seasons of my life that God would save me. 
if I'm not saved, save me, please save me. Just hoping that one of those times would stick and that I could fall asleep in peace um, because I was just so scared. So that was the foundation of my relationship with God. And then a couple of my friends got saved when I was a teenager. And I thought, oh, well, if they can admit that they're lost, maybe I could too. But I had so much pride in being good enough that it was easier to say I got saved when I was little than it was to admit, no, I am a sinner and I need saving right now, right exactly where I am today. And seeing my friends get saved made me think, well, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if I admitted that I needed salvation right now. And I heard someone else give their testimony and of salvation. And they shared that they had thought they got saved earlier in life. And it emboldened me to finally stop trying to pray the perfect prayer and to just say, God, I'm lost right now. Please save me. And it was in the middle of a church service. It was in the middle of this man's testimony. And I just said, I have to be done playing this game of if I'm lost, save me. And feeling too proud to admit that I needed him. And peace did come after I repented and really surrendered to needing him. But performance and trying to earn God's favor was still very much the basis for my relationship with God. In order to feel spiritual or feel fulfilled, I thought I had to be keeping this um, list that was kind of given to me from my church, but was added to by, by me, what I thought would make me feel spiritual or, um, look good. And it was, um, maybe not exhausting, but it left me feeling defeated a lot of the time because I, I tried really hard. I would pour myself into trying to earn God's favor or to feel good or to somehow honor God by being good. Like as if that that's how he got glory was by us being good or me being good. And I would determine to do better, write a list out of what I needed to accomplish this week and divide my time up and make a plan for how much Bible I was going to read or how many gospel tracts I was going to hand out and determine to do better this, this go around or this attempt at spirituality. And when I did not achieve that, my determination would slowly wane. And then I would need another hard message or another conference to just boost me up and kind of empower me to try harder and do better. And that was what my Christian life was, was striving and trying to do better. And when that didn't work out, getting another pep talk from God. I was even looking for shame to empower me to go farther and to try harder, thinking that maybe that would be the motivation that I was lacking if I felt bad enough about not making it this time, next time, my next try, I would make it. I would reach the pinnacle of sanctification that I was striving for or whatever that looked like, whatever my goal was, 
if I could beat myself up enough or assume that God was looking at me that way, then maybe I could reach that and achieve and then merit God's favor and be happy with me. And I really thought my relationship with God was normal. I didn't know that there was something else. I didn't know that there was there was a different way to relate to God. I just thought that was how everybody did it. And you just try harder. And if you fall, cause we're all going to fall, we just keep getting back up. You know, it just man falls seven times, but he just keeps getting back up. So I just kept getting back up and trying harder. And amazingly, I didn't burn out or walk away from a God like that because if, you know, cause if God's only loves you for what you can do for him. That's the same definition as a, a narcissist, but that's who I really thought God was. And that's how I related to him. But I was full of my own pride. And while I had accepted his gospel and his grace for my salvation, I neglected to see that I needed his grace and his Holy Spirit power for everything in my life that it wasn't up to me to work really hard for him. And it wasn't up to me to earn his favor. So the turning point for me came after my childhood pastor um, was removed and was exposed for who he was. I had a faith crisis. What in the world do I believe? Because I think I believe all of this stuff, but now I see some holes and I'm not exactly sure who God is if I don't believe everything that I was taught. So for the first time in my life, I began to ask questions and be willing to ask questions because before I was honestly afraid of the truth. I was afraid to ask questions, but I wouldn't have said it that way. I would have assume that I was being safe and being wise to avoid evil communications or false doctrine. But the reason I was uh, hesitant to even hear an argument that didn't line up with mine or talk to someone whose core values were different than mine was because I wasn't sure of my own beliefs. And because I wasn't sure of those, you can't question them. Otherwise, they disintegrate. When you start asking questions, what's not true will ultimately fall away. So in my pride and my desire to be right, like not a desire to have truth necessarily, but to just be right and to win the arguments. I didn't even engage the arguments. I avoided all conflict and anything that didn't line up with my already held beliefs. So the practice of beginning to question what I was taught or brought up in was a huge step for me. Questioning seemingly insignificant things like what holidays are we going to celebrate or huge things that were so scary. Like, do I really believe eternal security? Because I had been handed most of what I believed, and this isn't the fault of anyone else, but I just took everything I was taught hook, line, and sinker, 
And because I did not question it with a critical mind, I had a, I had a very critical spirit, but I didn't have a critical mind because I lacked that. I took what I was given and just believed it and thought it was truth. The same goes for the things that are true and are untrue. (laughs) So like I said, eternal security, I think, I think I know a few verses that prove that, but have I ever stopped to wonder how this verse plays into that? Or just, that's just one example of the many things that I began to question. And a book had sat on my shelf for a year and a half or maybe two years that I had bought to read with someone else because I thought it would be um, a good foundational book for them to read because they had questions and we ended up not reading it together. So there it sat on my shelf. But in that season, for some reason, I picked it up and I think it was just a, a divine thing that I picked it up in that season. It was Real Christianity by Carrie Schmidt. And it was the first time I was exposed to God's unconditional love to where it it really hit my heart. And I began to grasp God's grace for my whole entire life. I experienced revival, like personal revival that I had never felt before because I could begin to grasp the magnitude of God's love for me. I could love him without trying to muster it up in myself just because it was something I knew I needed to do. I could just be in awe in his presence and fall in love with him. And I think if I had read that book any other time, I would have done one of two things, either discarded it as shallow or just assumed that I believed all of that. But at that fork in the road in my life, it was what challenged how I had been living. Another thing happened shortly after I read the book. For the first time, I was introduced to the concept of the gospel being applicable to more than just our salvation. The first time I heard it, I was listening to a podcast interview of two women authors. I can't even remember both of their names anymore. But they were rounding out the interview and the host had asked what was next for these authors. And the one said something about the gospel and how every time that she feels ready to move on from the gospel, God just pulls her back and teaches her more about the gospel. And my thought then was, wow, I I guess this woman is capable of writing a book that helps other people, but that's pretty shallow. Like you, you haven't figured out the gospel because where I was raised, doctrine was preached so heavily that the gospel became secondary. So in my heart, I just thought, wow, I, I know more than she does. Whatever. Finished the episode, went about my way. But then God graciously brought into my life multiple resources talking about the gospel and how to apply it to our lives. And the books I found initially were talking about motherhood and how the gospel applies to our motherhood. And it was so 
different than anything I had ever read. And Carrie Schmidt's preaching was also very instrumental in that, in teaching me how to rest in God's grace and how to give up striving and let the pressure and the weight of my own expectations of myself, let those go. And I could stop assuming that that's how God was relating to me. And I could, for the first time, experience rest in his presence. And he kept speaking, be still over me. And I still call myself a recovering achiever because I think we're hardwired to want to earn and to work really hard before we feel worthy or before we feel like we deserve something. But that's not what the gospel is because the gospel is Jesus accomplished and he gives us his finished work so that we can rest and so that we can let him flow through us. And it's him doing it. It's not us. It's victorious Christianity. I'm no longer defeated. I only feel defeated when I slip back into feeling like I'm the one that has to be doing this, or I have to accomplish this much Bible reading, this much journaling. I need to pray this much, and I need to have this conversation with a friend. If I put that pressure back on myself, then I feel defeated. But when I'm resting in him and letting him flow through me and letting him guide my every single day, I no longer feel defeated. I feel victorious because he gives me his victory. It's not about me getting the victory. He's already won the victory and that's a gift that he gives me. So the gospel and unconditional love absolutely transformed my life and changed it completely. I can say I experienced revival because Jesus is my revival. It's not, I prayed so many hours and finally achieved revival or sanctification. He gently leads me and continues to teach me. And that's what I rejoice in. And that's what I put my hope in. And I am so thankful that he rescued me from a like life of legalism. And he let me break free from that pride of feeling like I could earn his grace. So where I used to doubt my salvation and wonder if I had prayed right or um, repented enough or something. I don't doubt that anymore because I have experienced closeness with God and his presence, which makes it impossible for me to wonder if I am his or if I am in relationship with him. And that's why this stuff that I share on my podcast is so important it is life-changing to get a hold of the unconditional love of God or to understand the far reaches of the gospel and grace. Thanks for listening to this part of my story. What I shared here is why I get so excited to share it. Like I said, it's life-changing. And if God can reach my heart when I was stuck in performance-based Christianity and very proud of it, I know that revival is also available for you if he can do that for me. And if that is you, you feel like your relationship with God isn't where you want it to be and you'd like to start to repair that, 
grab my revival starter kit. It's in the link below this episode and you can work through the journaling questions and get an idea of where you would like to start repairing that relationship so that you can experience the amazing, sweet, abundant relationship that is available for you. Thanks for listening to the Abundant Grace Podcast. I would love to connect with you, either to hear your story or hear your comments on today's episode. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, emily.abundantgrace, or send me an email, hello at emilyklewis.com. That's emily, the letter K, L-O-U-I-S dot com. Until next time, remember, God's grace abounds and won't ever run out.